Welcome back to a bevy of bloods for round four of the AFLW 2023 season. I am joined by the extended bevy this week with Steve and Polly here to celebrate the girls' second win against the Eagles. So fluff up those tail feathers and settle in for potentially, but hopefully, less biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved bloods. G'day there, Sickness and Swanlings. My name is Chris, and today I get to welcome Steve-O and Polly to the potty. Welcome, team, back to the potty. Thank you. It's great <laughs> to be back. Yep, great to be here. Yeah, cheers. Really good to be here. Look, we're going to fumble our way through this because I'm having a shocker already, so let's get stuck right into it. Uh, but before we do, you all know my voice. It's been uh, a long season for the men's and the women's season is starting. We have hope and tribulation all across the way. Do us a quick favor if you do not mind. Wherever you're listening to this, quickly jump onto that podcast uh, with a Spotify or Apple podcast, wherever it is that you're hearing this, and just give us a quick follow or a little like. It does make a difference and it goes a long way to support your bevy and your Swans Socials crew. So with all of that, let's get stuck into the game. Last Sunday, our Sydney Swans defeated the West Coast Eagles by 13 points to get our second win of the lives of the AFLW Swannies with a final score of 2-9-21 to West Coast and 5-4-34 to the Swannies. Polly, I'll let you take it away with the first impressions. Yeah, it was um, great to see a win live. I didn't get to go to the Giants game, so it was very exciting to be there. Um, I think... Personally, I went into this expecting a bigger win than we actually came out with. Uh, Obviously, West Coast are at the bottom of the table. Um, I anticipated big things from the girls. And actually, West Coast played really well, so I don't really know why they're at the bottom of the table. I don't know if they just really showed up uh, against the girls. But um, no, it was a great game and a great Sunday down at Henson Park. Yeah, like Polly, it was frustrating because I, I did too. I went into that looking at West Coast form line and I watched a couple of their games and they got thrashed a couple of times and, and I was expecting that we'd get a strong win. We won by 13 points. I mean, it was great and I'm happy to get a win because last season we got none out of 10 and this year we got two out of four and that's massive. Like That's that's not to be understated. I don't think it's how good it is to get two wins already in the first half of the season. Um, but yeah, they really had to fight for it and it was kind of frustrating to watch on the telly um, West Coast, like Polly said, they really brought the game to the Swans and they played pretty well. And if they'd made more of their chances, then, you know, we might not have gotten away with it. They they had 11 scoring shots. We only had nine. If they'd just kicked a couple more goals, we might have been having a different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It's like nine behinds for West Coast. That I can that think that arrives exactly what you're saying there, Steve-O. They had their opportunity. Uh, look, let's get stuck straight into the good, the bad, and the stats. Uh, Polly, what do you have on your front there? Um, there was 30% efficiency inside 50 this week for the Swans, which Oof. was really, really bad. Like, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. It was really bad and it was really obvious. At the game, I'm sure it was even more obvious on TV. Um, the girls could not take a mark inside 50 and I don't know what they were doing over in Perth, but they could not take an ins- a mark inside our 50. Um, it is definitely an area that is going to need to be improved on. Um, I think every week we come on and we have a different area the girls need to improve on. That's this week's one. Um, Because they just were doing really great things through the midfield and then it would get to the the forward 50 and they would just lose it or it would get to the goal square and they would lose it. And 
they probably should have won by a significant amount more if they actually took those uh, opportunities and they actually took marks inside 50. Um, that was the biggest standout for me, I think. Yeah, fair call. Like, it, it was pretty obvious. And as you said, their West Coast was just seemed like they were clunking absolutely every mark coming in their way. It was uh, quite frustrating. Steve-O, over to you, mate. Any uh, any stats that you saw that kind of told a bit of a tale? Yeah, I mean, first to follow on for that, then I've got another one in a sec. But it, it really did feel like watching it that every time we kicked it inside a 50, a West Coast player would mark the ball. Mm. And and it's it's really good to be trying to hit those targets. And I like the fact that they're trying to hit up leads inside the 450 and then they're trying to, um, trying to identify marking targets. But sometimes if it's not working, maybe you've got to readjust. And if you aren't quite executing that skill, you've just got to maybe bang it a bit longer. We've got we've got some strong players down there in the forward line. We've got um, Bella Smith was in there providing a really, really strong forward role. We've got really, really good ground level players. Um, and maybe trying to lace out those targets wasn't quite working and something else could have been done to, um, to try and try and stop them from just marking everything because they were reading it. They, they knew what we were going to do. We were, we were a little bit slow going in and they just positioned themselves and they plucked it so many times. So, so that was frustrating to watch. We got away with it in the end, which was good. We, it didn't stop us getting away. And, and yeah, the other stat that, that drove me crazy was the free kicks. We gave away 28 free kicks and we got 20. It was a high free kick game. And, and really, a lot of those free kicks were there. Like, as, even as a one-eyed Swan supporter, I was like, yeah, fair enough. Like, it was just a, an ill-disciplined free kick that didn't need to be given away a lot of the time. Some of them were a bit, you know, but there always are a few like that with, with umpiring. But a lot of the time, was that you didn't need to give that free kick away. And it, and it took away a lot of momentum a lot of the time. We turned over the ball when we didn't need to because we'd given away a free kick or we, we could have put pressure on and held them up. But then they got another possession going further forward because we gave away... A silly free kick. Their first goal came from a, an ill-disciplined act that was a 50-meter penalty, which was a goal that's 50% of their goals was was connected to this. <laughs> so, so that's something which I would I would like to to work on. You know, just not giving away because you don't have to. You know, and it's about it's about just timing it. And if it's not quite there, then just don't go for it sometimes because it's it's always a fine line. It was kind of like some of those. It was contested ball was quite good in in the game. It hit the ground and both teams were playing really well, but. Yeah, a couple of like um, pushing the backs and a couple of like holding the man. Like, you know, it was that kind of those unnecessary things that didn't really add to the game and didn't add to the contest, it felt like. Yeah, and more on that, it was only really in the second half. Uh, we were actually leading the free kick count going into this, the second half within the first half. Um, so they just, I think they just got frustrated because they weren't being able to pull off what they were expecting and they were just making silly decisions towards the end. I don't know if it was a tiredness thing or it was just a frustration thing, but um, they didn't start that way. So, um, yeah, just not letting themselves get too frustrated towards the end of the game, I think is going to be really crucial in the future. Yeah, good shout. Definitely a good shout. So um, one one thing in, in good, bad and stats that I also noticed that Henson Park apparently only had 4.6 thousand people. That is bollocks. It was a lot more than that, right, Polly? Like, we were there. <laughs> I really struggled to believe there was only that amount. There was no room on the hill. And it looked like there was on TV. There wasn't. There was barely any room. People were still trying to get in at halftime. Mm. Um, the the queues were insane. I don't know if they, had, they just guessed. <laughs> and the readers weren't actually tracking how many people came in. But it felt like so many more, which is great and fantastic. Um, but 
you want it to actually reflect how many people are there when the AFLW are basing all of these future decisions on attendance. Yeah, yeah. 100%, yeah. especially when the Swan is in. I think part of it was that the um, reading of the tickets, uh, it was such a bright day. Reading the tickets in the sun seemed impossible. Like I was the first, like say, 10, 15 people to come in and uh, we were sitting there and she took like freaking 30 seconds to read my pass. And I said to her, I'm like, this is going to be a long day for you. Like, what's going on? <laughs> and I and I was told by someone at the bar when I asked, I was just having a chat with someone at the bar. Um, and she said, oh, they didn't even read my ticket. They just let me go through. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, they must have started doing that at some point and just seeing your ticket is just fine to go through. So I don't think that's reflective of the numbers. And I'm, I'm with you, Polly. Like we want the numbers to be up, right? Like Steve, you, you know how, how much the AFL is probably paying attention and uh, they're not going to be doing a whole lot uh, if the attendance is down. Yeah. And it's an excuse for someone who wants to deny something too, you know? Mm. Like yeah. People will point to any metric they can think of to justify whatever they want to try and justify. And if they can show that crowd numbers are only marginally better than last year, then they'll point to that if they are trying to, to not expand, you know, like to not give more games, for example. Yep, yep, exactly. Which, uh, yeah, a bit of news uh, coming from the AFLW. We can talk about that a bit later as well, about the future of it. Um, the other thing is that dogs at Henson Park, and now just for everyone out there, if you're not an Inner West person, or if you're not a Sydney person generally, the Inner West is basically known as the home of dogs. Uh, so you can take your dog into any cafe, <laughs> any pub. It's basically dogs are more friendly, more available, more places can go to dogs than you can with kids, right? Let's be honest. Um, and the Henson Park allows you to have your dog on the leash uh, normally, but the AFL actually didn't allow that this time. So there was a bunch of people that turned up with their dog and then only to be pushed back and being sent home to be like, you can't take your dog in. And apparently this was uh, suggested, sorry, required from the AFL and not from Henson Park itself. So uh, a bit of um, explanation, uh, a bit of a, uh, please explain heading towards the AFLW to work out why we can't bring our doggies into uh, the inner west. And we have ourselves a Super, Super Swans fan from the inner west over here right now, Polly. What do you have yeah. to say about this? Fire up. Well, I don't have a dog personally. Oh, okay. I am a cat person. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I um, I get like everyone else I know has a dog around here. So I think, yeah, a lot of people were expecting to take their dogs because it is, you know, the Newtown Jets play there and they you are allowed to bring dogs to those games. So I think a lot of people were going more for the – fact that there was something on in the inner west as opposed to the fact it was a swans game and they were turned away which is really disappointing again it's um you know going to reflect on those uh attendance numbers and like i i don't really know why because i i could be completely wrong but i am sure there have been other games where dogs have been allowed in previous years so i don't know why all of a sudden they have an issue with it maybe something has happened recently where they uh, have had to put a blanket rule because a dog messed up at some game which could very 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 easily have happened um but yeah it's it's disappointing that it wasn't made clearer because i didn't see it posted anywhere and the swans did make a big like fuss about this game and did a lot of publicity for it so um it should have been signposted at least that dogs weren't going to be allowed in yeah and they did a great job of um promoting it and and the event was fantastic they had beer stores they had all these food stores they had things for kids they had a raffle thing they had a 
um, like a, a spin the wheel kind of situation. It was it was such a well put together event, it, it, so classy, so organized, and so much fun. Uh, it's just a shame that you know the, the attendance number is not tracked uh, properly, as we probably can suggest pretty comfortably. And uh, yeah, the the most uh, inner west thing in the world, which is bringing your dog to absolutely everything you ever do in your entire life, uh, wasn't also available. So um, yeah, that's, Could, that's quickly. a couple points there. Yes, of course. I'll, I'll just say um, I attended one of the Giants games that was at Henson Park last year and I obviously attended the Swans game that was there last year and the Swans actually put a lot of effort into making those games good um, the Giants had one ice cream truck, that was it, there was no alcohol, there was nothing to be fair it was a free game, sorry they probably weren't allowed to do alcohol but um, the Swans obviously put an effort into the fact that they want people to go to these games and the Giants aren't so um, all credit to the Swans team because it was a fantastic day yeah yeah that's a good that's a really good shout and it's a good insight if the GWS is kind of given up a little bit <laughs> or they don't have the funds or something to go with it don't definitely don't have the fan base which is a, a thing in itself altogether with um all right look let's move on back to the game if you don't mind favorite moments and missed chances um steve i might throw to you first mate uh to see uh what did you see during the game that you won the flag uh, for me, the really the defining moment of the game came at the very start of the last quarter when Bella Smith just came out from full forward and collected the ball and kicked a great goal, which set the tone, I think, for the rest of the match. I mean, we we conceded two goals in a row. We we kicked we kicked what four in a row, I guess, and then they got two in a row to get back within like what a goal at one point. I think it was like six seven points, points. Three, seven points, yeah. And so so then then Bella came out. Scored a really, really strong goal, which I think just put a stamp down and said, "Nah, we're not messing around." And the third quarter had been disappointing. They'd um they'd scored one goal to our nothing, and they were really getting their way back into the game. They were said on the broadcast that um that the coach Scott Gowan said really ripped in at three quarter time and demanded a better effort, and they came out straight away, and and then went on and won the game. They managed to hold on, which um which was really good. So that was probably, I think, a defining moment for the for the season, even not just for the two wins that we've had. It was one of the real sort of foot down to the ground. This is what's going to happen type moments from a swan, which I really liked. Yeah, beauty. Polly, over to you. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, the the biggest moment that stuck out to me was actually in the first quarter, um, and it was when Lexi Hamilton kicked that uh, beautiful kick to Cynthia, and she marked it in the goal square, and uh, Cynthia scored an amazing goal just before uh, quarter time, I think it was. Um I was sitting on that side of the field, so it was incredible to see, and I think it really helped them go into that second quarter where they did kind of unleash a little bit compared to the first quarter. And, I mean, us as us Swans fans love a sibling, Julie, so oh, a yeah. kick to a kick yeah. to a goal. I can't, can't go wrong. I've shed enough tears about the uh, McCartan situation, that's for sure. I've acclaimed my brother for absolutely no reason uh, a couple of times. Uh, and uh, yeah, to watch the uh, the Hamiltons uh, share it around, it's pretty special. Um, my little quick one it was again. It was on our side of the field, um, on the hillside there behind the goal. Uh, Julio Sullivan's goal saving uh, effort, it's a little smother. Um, that was just awesome. So she she was a grinder, and I know Steve-O during the uh, preseason preview, preseason preview. Yes, right, right. I don't know. I'm sure that makes sense. Um, you were quite warm on her. You were suggesting that, you know, she's from Gaelic football. She comes in with a lot of experience. Why not? Why not be an absolute demon? And, uh, yeah, she has it in her, right? 
I mean, I, like we we knew nothing about any of these Irish players at the start of the year, save what we could read about them online, really. And some people might have watched um, some local Sydney footy last year, um, but yeah, but but for Julie, I mean, she's she's played the game at the top level for a long time in Ireland, and that's that's no mean feat. So it's good to see her putting it together on the footy field so early in the year. Yeah, beauty, beauty. And did anyone have any more um, favourite moments for the game? Are we just saving up Chloe Malloy's latest goal of the year entry? I mean, that was ridiculous. The one that she got the smother, picked it up, sort of shimmy back inside, snapped it. That was, yeah, probably only only undershadowed, overshadowed, whatever you choose, by M. Swanson's goal from West Coast mm-hmm. in the same match. Like, you don't often get two goals that amazing in, in one little burst of football, but they were both pretty good. And I like Chloe's better, personally. I think there was a defensive component to yeah. it. But yeah, I'm going to try and great. be unbiased because I do wear a Chloe Malloy jumper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but hers was definitely better. Um, like, I just rewatched them before we recorded and uh, Emma kind of got the ball quite easily. Uh, Chloe smothered, picked it back up and shot from inside the pocket. Like, it was just ridiculous. Like, you know, like it, I agree. She's, I'm, I am convinced now that it's just going to be her versus her versus her for goal of the year this year. That's going to be the three, <laughs> the three options. She's going to win the car, the fridge, and whatever else comes. Yeah, away. <laughs> uh, it, it was great. I mean, I liked it better than her one from the first game. Actually, that that banana that yeah. she kicked in the first game, because this one it had so many different components to it, which which are all hard things to execute, and she just did it in in like a second, you know. One thing that um, Grant in the podcast last week did say uh, was that Chloe Malloy probably favours her check side or her snaps a bit too much. Now, I will point out and a caveat that he is a Brisbane Lions fan. So do we take anything that he says with any grain of uh, salt at all or are we willing to just throw him to the side? You tell me. And and I can tell you also that he's a left footer. So he comes with a <laughs> No, Here we go. Typical left foot, bloody Brisbane fans. All right. See if I think your mic dropped again. Yeah, he's he's a very good left footer, mind you. He's got a beautiful kick, but but yeah, he's a left footer. All right, all right, cool. Well, we'll we'll just ignore everything that he says going forward uh, <laughs> until he comes back to the potty anyway, and then we'll apologize greatly. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get stuck into the Bob Medal. Uh, our Bob Medal is the equivalent of the Bob Skilton Medal, where we give three, two, one points out to the best Swans players. And this week, uh, Potty, Polly and I got ourselves some fancy glasses with little hearts on them. They were freaking cool as hell. You look up at the sky and it feels like you're tripping. Great glasses. We're going to send a couple pairs of those out to the winner. So three, two, one points go to. Three points to Ali Morfitt, two points to Sophia Hurley, and one point to Laura Gardner. Um, Polly, I'll kick off with yourself. Do you want to take it away with Ali? Yeah, she had a fantastic game. Uh, 22 disposals, 18. You're going to have to remind what CPs are. Contested. <laughs> Sorry, okay. 22 disposals, 18 contested possessions, 5 inside 50s, 10 clearances, 300 meters gained, and she also made team of the week and leads the leagues in hitouts. Um, and with all of those stats, she was the best on ground. Um, it was hard to deny that she wasn't <laughs> even like even without the stats. She was clearly the best on ground. She's just having a phenomenal season. She's a walk-on star for all Australian, right? At this point, you'd imagine. 
Yeah, well, I was just looking at the stats before uh, we jumped on, and if you just compare all the Rockmans, she's clearly ahead of everyone else. Like, something very drastic is going to have to happen for her not to make All-Australian at this point. Oh, beautiful. And maybe Rising Star, while you're at it, why not? Um, we we don't have a nickname for her. Uh, I think that she kind of emphasised, she's such a strong, you know, presence on the field we need to think of something interesting for her and i can't think of anything and i came up with like alligator and alley but these are standard alley name stuff we've got to come up with something so i'm going to put it out there to the fan base if you can think of a nickname for ali morfitt with all the 188 centimeters uh big size great running you know grabbing the ball contested possessions just dominating a game what can we do with this thing? so that is a project for everyone that's uh, take-home work uh, for all of us. Uh, we'll figure it out as we go. Um, Steve-O, mate, two points to Sophia Hurley. Mate, do you want to take away with her work? Uh, Sophia, she was great in the game, and I think that we've seen her grow really, really quickly. We forget that this is only – I mean, she played – I think she played every game last season, so that's 10 plus this is four. This is only her 14th game at the top level, and she's playing like someone who's played for years. And and one of those players who, when they get the ball in hand, you just you sort of relax because you think that okay, she's going to use it well, she's going to make a good decision, and and she runs hard, she works hard, she pressures hard. She made eight tackles in the game, which is huge. Um, Seventeen touches, seven of those were contested. Um, really, just growing into a superstar in front of her eyes, Sophia Hurley, I think. And she was pick five in the draft last year, so she, she came in with an elite profile for sure. But she's showing it, and good on her. Yeah. Yeah, full on. She is a special person. I actually got to take a photo with her at the end too, so that was pretty fun. I just uh, I was surprised how little she is for, for someone who tackles so ferociously. She is tiny. Um, okay, do we want to take it away with Laura Gardner there, Polly? Yeah, so one point for Laura. Uh, she got 19 disposals, 11 tackles, and three clearances, and she's currently leading the league on tackles. I feel like we at the point of talking about it every week, but she's just a superstar. Um it's probably look at there we got a lot of good pickups in the off season, but it's hard to deny that she's probably the best one. Um yeah, she's just killing it. Yeah, dominating and and and, and one thing we do know is about her her disposals, right? She she's gathering the ball quite a lot, but as you mentioned there, eleven tackles, she's getting her own pill, like she's getting it. And that's that's massive. You can't ask too much more. One thing I will point out is that she only got ninety six meters gain. So although she was getting a lot of it she wasn't necessarily being uh, maybe dangerous with it. But Steve, do you want to give a bit of maybe insight about what the, the meters gains really means in the context of, you know, all those touches? Uh, I mean, I think we've talked about this before too in other episodes over the years, but I mean, meters gained is only really relevant for certain types of players. And for other types of players, you can discard it. And if you're the type of player who's winning the hard ball and extracting it out, you might be losing. Like say, say a player who wins a clearance and then flicks a handball back five meters to a runner, then you're actually losing five meters technically on this meters gain stat. So for those sort of ball winning, distributing players, I don't really think it's that important a thing to look at. But then for your wing players, you're like you're running halfbacks, you're, you're sort of line cutting midfielders. And of course, meters gained is a much more important number to look at. So I'm not concerned that, that Laura Gardner is only getting 96 metres gain because the, the damage that she's doing by putting players into good positions is really, really good. 
Yeah, perfect. So just summed up perfectly by someone who knows what they're bloody well talking about. Um, hey, Polly, I will throw it to you. We normally have it through honorable mentions. So it's people who maybe didn't get themselves a, a pair of glasses or silly glasses with hearts on them that you can stare at the sun and, and be tripping out. But what you can do is get yourself a few names out there anyway. So Polly, do you want to take it away with anyone that you saw that was a little unlikely not to get themselves a point? Yeah, I wanted to give a special shout out to Lucy McAvoy. I think this was her best game since coming to the Swans. Um, it felt like she was everywhere. She had six marks, 11 disposals, and five intercepts. Um, she hasn't, I feel like she hasn't really made a stamp for herself since moving over. She's a great captain, but, uh, you know, she kind of gets bogged down in her, the back half. Whereas she was coming up the field, she was making plays, she was taking marks you've sent seemed like to be the only one that could take a mark um for us so yeah i think she did had a really good game yeah beauty and you're probably talking to steve and myself uh her two biggest fans at the moment uh we're, we're, we're big fans of what she can do how dangerous she can be in that back line and how organized she is as well uh steve do you want to take away with one of your honorable mentions I'm going to throw in um brenna tarrant again not necessarily because of a stat sheet or anything like that but this player knows when to take an important relieving mark in the last quarter in a in a game that's on the line. She did it multiple times in the first game, in the first win, and she took a really, really strong relieving mark in the back 50 in this game against West Coast. So so for that, I think, Brennan, that's the sort of defender you want. The one who does their job all day and then just does the right thing and pops up when you need them. So, um, so she'll have a clear role in that back line. She seems to be playing it well. And ice in her veins when it comes to those late marks. Yep, like game-saving marks. Um, I'll do one quickly. Sagetti, um, good to see her back in the game. Um, I, I I thought she looks really natural uh, in terms of a stat sheet. She had 11 dispersals, 100% efficiency, six marks. As uh, Polly said, marks were a bit of a premium and have been in the Swans team for this year uh, and three tackles to go with it. So I feel that she had a really good little game and uh, I'd like to see her kind of uh, tag on a couple more days, um, see how she goes. Um, Polly, did you have anyone else you want to mention today yeah um another one of our irish girls tanya kennedy she had a, another really great game she's had three in a row really she's been a really good addition to the team uh great defender great move of the ball amazing like don't have the stats in front of me because she but she i can tell you from watching her she had an amazing game and it's good that she had a, such a good game on the irish player appreciation round <laughs> That's it. The uh, yeah, the Irish player appreciation round was at full force. A big uh, number of Irish fans out there too. Um, so cheering pretty hard. I think there were a lot of friends of of the girls, and that was pretty fun. Uh, Steve-O, any one, any more for you, mate? Do you want to take it away? Yeah, I've got one more. And actually, that just reminds me, I'd forgotten that. I was really happy that. Um, that there was Irish flags covering some of the advertising banners from some of the big banks. So I got a real, real um, <laughs> joy out of that. Yeah, communist action over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. A little bit of a little bit of community resurgence. It was wonderful. Um, uh, Chloe Malloy, look, we can't not talk about her. Can we? We already talked about her, her yeah. goal kicking prowess, but but she she still played a really important role in the game. She copped a knock. We were talking about with, with Polly before. She mentioned during the game she copped a knock and she came off for a bit on the elbow. It seems she got a bit of a hit. Played out the game. Didn't necessarily have her dominant match winning best on ground performance, but she still got thirteen touches, eight contested, kicked two goals, five marks, some tackles, some clearances. Pretty solid effort from Chloe. Yeah, she's a special talent. She's come in and 
Oh man, like she's 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 wild. She's such a good player. It's, it's scary. It's it's just so scary that she's been able to do this every week. Um, all right, look, that takes us to the post game. So let's just talk about the standing in the ladder. That takes us to eleventh place at seventy one percent. With the next few games that we've got ahead of us are Carlton, uh, Port Adelaide Power, and the Hawks. So we've got ourselves a few games here where we expect the girls to be competitive and it's going to get quite exciting because if we can maybe chain two or two goal two wins out of this sorry um it it just ends up making it putting us in the part of the ladder that's going to be very competitive for the second half of the year so it's really really quite exciting um so next game we play carlton uh away Uh, they're in ninth position um and they are on two wins and two losses, just like the Swans are. Their wins have come against the Suns by two points in that first game. Um, and they beat West Coast by 53 points, so significantly more than what we did. Um, but they did lose to the Roos by 60, so good, a good proper dropping by them. And lost to the Tigers last week by seven points. So um, they're in a, in a mix of things. They seem to be quite competitive and beating teams that they should and sometimes they shouldn't. Um, um, so, yeah, a really interesting um, matchup we have for this week. Uh, Polly, uh, MRO or injuries, anything to note from last week? Yeah, so Steve, I mentioned before, um, Chloe did take that knock in the last quarter. Uh, it was a ligament in her elbow. Um, but the club is saying that it's not a worry. She'll be ready for this week. Um, so that's good to hear. The other major injury is still Montana Ham. Um they're going to test later this week, so we'll see. Personally, I hope they give her another week's rest. I think she could use it, or and and don't push her, um, as we always say with injuries. Uh, I think, Steve-O, we're all in agreement here. I know how you feel about it. I mean, rest. If you've got a star player like Montana Ham, you, you got to rest them, right? Like you've got to give them the time to come back properly. Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean, it's a short season, and and I totally get that players want to. And she's already nearly halfway. We're pretty much halfway. It's a ten match season, if you discount finals, and she's already up to forty percent of it. She misses one. She's half through the year. Of course, she wants to play, and of course, we want to see her play. But I also like we were just chatting before we we started recording. I I want to see her play a key role in our finals campaigns in you know two, three, four years time. Not necessarily go out against Carlton just for the sake of it and get hurt. No, I hear you. I think everyone agrees with that. She's a special player. I want to keep her in. Um, it goes to team selections there. So for replacements, um, Steve-O, do you have any ideas of what we should do for replacements here? Uh, it depends who's available for sure. One that I thought probably didn't have much of an impact, Paris McCarthy, another one of the new um, Irish players has come in this year, didn't really have much of an impact, was only on the ground for 46%, which is low. It means that she's being... Like she's at the bottom of the rotation list, really. She's she's just there to sort of fill gaps, I suppose. It wasn't really clear what her role in the game was. She only touched the ball a few times, and you know that big clanger where she, and it was just, it seemed like just lack of awareness. Like just she marked the ball in the forward fifty and then moved to play on and got caught. Um, and and she's very new to the game, and that's what you'd expect. But it's it's also a thing that if if there's a player that we can bring in the game that we'd really like to win against Carlton, um, maybe a more evenly matched team. If there's someone else to to bring in that can play that same role, but maybe is a bit more ready for playing this sport at this level. Yeah, fair call, Polly. Any ideas of what we'll do there in that space, or in terms of replacements, or or other teammates to uh, kind of consider for moving around? Yeah, it's hard because um I don't think there's many people that are ready that isn't injured. Um, 
The only person that came to mind was Bridie Kennedy uh, because obviously she has played and she got dropped and I don't know how she's been tracking along at training, but it could be a good uh, inclusion to have her back. I think her experience might be beneficial against someone like Carlton, but uh, if she if Paris stays in, I think that's fine too. Yeah, fair enough. And as Steve-O said there, perhaps it's just a matter of uh, awareness and some extra time on the field uh, being a bit new to the game and catching up with the speed of things. Uh, even some of the best players need their first couple of games to just uh, see the speed of the game before you kind of move forward a bit yeah. more. So get a feel for it. It's hard when you don't have a VFL to drop them down to <laughs> to still mm. get games, but um, yeah, this is a problem. You know, not have them in the main team. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, what, what it, do they do in this instance, Steve? Like, what, what, what can they do in terms of trying to get them a bit more blooded? you got to play them, really. That's the only way. The only way you learn how to play footy, I mean, we see this in the Finland a lot. We have a lot of people playing here that have never touched a football before in their life. Those that are coming from Gaelic football have at least got a background in a relatively similar sport. And, and you see the transition is much easier here. When we have Gaelic players come into play here, you see that they pick it up quicker. But it still takes a while, and there are little things like that, like little just little game awareness things where there are differences in the Gaelic game to the Australian game, where the instinct is to do one thing, which is what she did in that situation. Her instinct was to, you know, get and go, and and quickly turn onto her onto her foot or whatever she wanted to do. But then in, in footy, you get caught, and it's over. And the only way to get better at a sport is to play it. You can train forever, and you're not going to get better until you get minutes. And like Polly said, there's there's no second tier comp that they can go back to every week, so you're kind of stuck. And if you want him to get better this year and play a role this year, yeah, like Polly said, you probably do have to have him in there. Yeah, just to get him more time on the ground. Um, okay, look, let's talk about Carlton just quickly. Any danger players uh, I'll throw to both of you of who you see is probably a, a bit of a danger or, or anyone that we that, that we should be considering that, that could be a bit of a bit of an issue for us? Uh, yeah, um, I'll start by saying their biggest danger player this year is likely injured. Um, she got injured at the during. Yeah, <laughs> during um, the game last week. Hasn't been confirmed by Carlson yet. Haven't found an injury report from them, but um, that would be great if Keely Shearer doesn't play. Um, then next up would be Mimi Hill. She kind of, they both are pretty strong and pretty strong in similar areas. So, um, you know, I love a tagger. So if Tanya can go to Mimi, that would be pretty amazing. <laughs> there you go. T- Tanya is a pretty solid tag. We saw her, what she did on... Oh, I always get this wrong. Please, to Polly, help me. What was the name? <laughs> Georgie Prasparkas. <laughs> God. <laughs> I struggle with that one bad. Uh, I'm not even going to try to attempt that. Um, Steve-O, what about yourself, mate? Do you see anyone on the field that we should be considering? Uh, look, I actually, I mean, before there was a Swans team, I mean, you, you never actually have another team. You only have the Swans and nobody, or not doesn't matter what sport you follow, you have your team and then that's it. But there's always teams you take a bit of a, an extra interest in, I guess you can say. And before there was a Swans AFLW team, Carlton was the team that I used to make an effort to watch every week. Oh, my well, actually God. Two teams. Yeah, there, there was two teams, actually. Polly, One uh, was, before, um, no, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Polly, how do you feel about this? Talk to me. No, I'm just being silly. Yeah, I was like, the Giants was that for me because we didn't have a team in Sydney. So yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, I actually sat with Polly there. So uh, I'll, um, sorry, Steve, I just wanted to uh, make you feel a little bit bad for a couple of seconds there. Take, take it away. Uh, so we all have little bits of treachery in our blood, don't we? It's a human oh. characteristic. Um, 
anyway, so there was two teams that I, that I used to follow. One was Carlton, um, and the other was was Adelaide because I loved Erin Phillips. Like she's an amazing footballer to watch. Yeah. So I used to love watching Adelaide for that reason, and then and then Darcy Vessio was was the thing that really got me interested in watching Carlton because every single week they would just tear it up. Like and this ability that not many players in in esport have to really impact the game with just a handful of touches. And in the four weeks this year, Darcy's been hitting the scoreboard. Three goals won. Nothing against North Melbourne when um when the Blues got flogged by ten goals down they kicked one scoring shot for the whole game. So so nothing nothing that week. But then two one the week after that and none two last week. So still hitting the scoreboard. And so this is the thing that I'm afraid of that if Darcy Vessio is allowed to get even a fraction of space in um in the Blues forward line that we could easily leak a couple of goals in no time. So that's that's a player that I've always got my eye on. I think is um is Darcy. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I, it sounds like you've been paying attention to a career for some time. So, oh, big uh, fan, massive, yeah, massive no, no, Darcy Vesio fan. Know the damage that she can do. Um, you've noted here in the ruck battles as well. We've got ourselves. Uh, I know we've spoken about Ali Morfitt with some, you know, abandon of how freaking great she is, and she's been amazing. Uh, but she is up against probably someone that's kind of got themselves. Uh, you know, they're, they're quite competitive in just good. Yeah, um, she's probably the first uh, for match, I guess, for Ali. Um, the rest of the teams they have. Decent rock people, but they're not at the same level that she is. Um, Jess is actually up there, and she's probably one of the best players at Carlton. So it'll be interesting to see how Ali goes against some good competition as opposed to people she's just generally better than. So um, I'm looking forward to that matchup. Cool. So a, a battle as opposed to having a a kind of a, a walkover kind of thing where she's got to really have to fight through this one. Yeah, not a training session for her this week. Yeah, no training session. No no easy three points for Ali this week. She's going to have to fight for it. All right, look, let's get stuck into one last thing. Um, I will quickly say that I ran past Chloe Malloy on my morning run on Sunday. Um, I was going to stop for a second, but she was having a chat with a friend, so I just kind of continued going. And then about 500 meters later, I realized, oh, that's silly. I could have just stopped and said hello. Either way, I was puffing way too hard for someone who'd only done about a kilometer at that point. But I do live in Coogee, and it's very hilly. I'm going to tell, tell you all that up front. Um, also, she wouldn't have known how far you'd run. You could have oh, why. Back around the block. You could have got your breath back. Yeah. I could have, you know what? I could have yeah. said, oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just coming up. From the 10Ks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, she would have been concerned. You know, <laughs> I would have lied and yeah, I would have given it away pretty easily. She would have said, first thing she would have said, like, oh, do you live close? I'm like, yeah, literally around the corner. And she would have seen my sweat beads just coming down my head with my swan's hat on. She would have been like, no need Yeah, you would have been at the end of your run. Like, you oh, think yeah. about this, Chris. <laughs> Oh, I'm too, I'm too genuine. I don't, don't like lying. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is my problem. Uh, all right, well, it is what it is. Um, Steve, oh, mate, do you have anything to point out here? Uh, the one thing I really liked uh, was um, was watching on the telly. They, they d- devoted quite a bit of the broadcast to this after the match finished. Um, one thing that's really great in the women's games is that often they're singing the song on the field, which was really cool to watch that on the field, um, even through the television. But the other thing that was also awesome was before that happened and after as well, they showed a lot of footage of, of all the players from the team getting over to the fence and getting amongst the crowd and taking pictures and signing stuff and spending time with young fans. And, and that's what I want to see from 
from your sort of team. You know, it was, I was, it was really heartening to see that. And that they were genuinely excited to, like, it wasn't like a chore, like, oh, shit, this is what we've got to do because we're, we're athletes, we have to sign crap. They seemed to really, really want to be doing it, which was cool. Yeah, beauty. That's really well said. I think the girls are doing their bit on and off the field for sure. Polly, I'll pass it over to you for one last thing. Yeah, um, if you're listening to this very early on Wednesday morning, there is an open training session with the girls at Lake Lakeside Oval, I think is what it's called, or Tramway Oval. Yeah. The one next to the SCG <laughs> as for the school holidays. So, you know, take your kids down. Again, they, I, they will be happy to sign stuff, get that, you know, get to see the girls. Obviously, I can't go because I have to work. But um, if you're off with school holidays, get down there. It'd be great to see the girls in training before they head down to Melbourne. Beautiful. Said perfectly. And the game is on this Friday at four o'clock. Of course, those stupid games that are in the middle of some time that no one can see. The good news is I've got the day off. So I'm just going to bit of make, make a bit of a day of it. I will be at the Tudor to watch the game and I'm sure they're going to be placing it on, which would be fantastic down there at Redfern. Oh, right, well, that brings us to the end of the episode. So Polly and Steve, thank you so much for joining up today and for running the whole kit. That brings us to the end. We'll see you at Icon Park. Probably not, but either way, we'll see you at the pub probably to watch the game but until then up the bloods and